we ourselves is doing, you know, our campaigns. We not, we don't want anybody to say, well, this is what sex workers are facing. We faced this yesterday. We faced that last night. This happened two years ago. Welcome to the Under the Sycamore Tree podcast. I'm your host, Carla Moore of Mortart GA. And we are delighted to invite you to our yard to hold space under the sycamore tree with another fantastic episode. In this episode, we'll bring you the loveliest conversation which I had the honor of sharing with Denise Carr and Felona Roberts, both of Sucos or the Suriname Coalition of Sex Workers. We day up on the veranda. You day up on the veranda. Put me a heart out of your mind. Cock up your foot. And make her have a good time. We'll be discussing topics that some listeners may find triggering, including sex work, child sexual abuse, and domestic violence. We understand that these topics can be difficult to hear about, and we want to remind our listeners that it's okay to take a break if you need to. The Suriname Coalition of Sex Workers, or SUCOS, is the only sex worker-led organization established in Suriname. Founded in 2018, the organization's work is centered around the recognition and safeguard of sex workers' human rights, the decriminalization of sex work, the creation of safe working conditions for sex workers, and the equal treatment of sex workers by the society, particularly in the health sector and within the law system. My conversation with Denise and Felona covers all these topics and more. Channel me tell you plenty, plenty more. Denise made one thing clear to us from the outset. Organizing centered on sex workers has a huge impact. First of all, sex workers, whether it is a livelihood chosen or forced upon you, contribute hugely to the society. Sex work crosses genders, sexualities, class, and unfortunately, even age. Sex workers are often not seen, period. And frequently, they're not seen as human. To live as a sex worker, Denise and Filona point out, requires a clear, strong, forthright, and truly empirical redefinition of who you are and what your worth is. In essence, what is your selfhood? What is your source of self-regard? So one of the things Sucos encourages for its members and all sex workers is coming out. It's not just for the queers, honey. Let it be known that you are a sex worker. Force them to see you and hear you. Make them make space for you. And when this is done in power and agency, it can be nice over here from the school side of the fence, my love. Sun and breeze and bird, la 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 la, all of them stuff. Yeah, and you're going to on the right side of history. And when we think about it, getting clear on our sources of self-regard is fundamental. As organizers, yes, but also as Caribbean people in this neoliberal work, which likes to pretend we're an entire monolithic, sunny, touristy backwater. You know the place where one of them look, go on vacation? The islands. Even though so many of us are on the mainland. Make it make sense. The weird whole sex worker-led organizing of we are revisit and fix up with fundamentals. The core of this podcast in a child, let me tell you, so we learn, we learn, we learn. 
Another fundamental Denise and Filona have us revisiting is what makes a feminist leader. Does our feminism make space for sex workers? Tell the truth, we actually need the sex worker them to lead feminism for all of the reasons them what we already mentioned. And if you doesn't remember, rewind, go back and listen again, and then come forward to this time so we can go further on with the news. And y'all should know, because, you know, we like to keep it transparent over here. This was another one of those episodes we struggled with. Should we cover our conversation with Sukos in an episode with other feminist organizers or should we dedicate a sole episode to Sukos? But in dedicating an episode to them, are we sequestering them away from a mainstream feminist movement in our region? So we actually decided to include Sukos in a conversation with our other organizations who work explicitly in collective or coalitional organizing model. But we found that Denise and Filona really, really opened up once they were alone with me. So, my beloved listener, here is the episode that we didn't know from about. Let us take sex work and sex workers seriously. Let us claim a sex worker-led feminism. Because truthfully, any other feminism would have just fanky fanky and not a nice. One set of people excluded again. None never dead for this me. Me, that one over here, so me wouldn't want nothing else. I saw my like keeps, and I saw it needs to go. Dive deeply into this portal with me. Here are the highlights from our conversation held in 2022. So, it's Filona and Denise. We're back with you. Um, hold on. So let me find the, there was one question that I really wanted to post to you. So you speak a lot about, uh, well, first of all, thank you for seeing the additional 15 Um, but you talk a lot about, you know, like working in, in a coalition, like that type of stuff, but you also work with like international agencies, right? And so you work at your local level, but you also collaborate on that more global level what is it like for you trying to keep this approach this mindset about collaboration um when you're moving to the next level do you feel like you're able to to keep working in the way that you want to work are there any changes that you've had to make like what is that experience like for you So, like I said, um, from the start, Sukos has been working internationally. So, it's nothing new to us. Um, in a country, we're trying to collaborate with organizations that, you know, can give sex workers relevant support in services. We're trying to um, build ourselves in areas where you know, like I said before, there were never no policies. It's like sex workers was the forgotten group. So luckily what we're trying to do now, we're trying to establish uh, a platform where we can in like include sex workers in to accessing service like everyone else in the country. So there is any country, but like I said, we're not getting any financial support in country it's only international 
fun ones we're working with now, which can be also challenging for the future. Equality Fund will finish. So a sustainability plan, it's kind of, you know, excellent for us yeah. thinking about the future. Yeah. So in terms of, I, you mentioned earlier that, and I love the way you said it. You said we don't take government money because we feel like it, it could actually harm our community instead of empowering us, it could actually be harmful to us. Yes. And at the same time, you are working in a context where you said sex work is tolerated, but it's not legal. What would you want? What are the steps that you want your politician to take regarding sex workers in Suriname? Is it that you're looking for them to decriminalize, you know, what are the steps that you want them to take for your community? Well, first of all, we would like policies put in place to decriminalize sex workers. See us as you. We must have the same access to health care, security, you know, um, barriers must be broken down so at least people have access to going to the bank to have a have an account. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. They don't see us, you know, they look at us differently. And those are some of the things that we wish that politicians would do. What is please? See us as humans first. Because at the end of the day, when we're off the streets or out of the club, we have a whole different family life we go into. This is like live one person living in two different worlds, you know? And some people don't choose sex life, but things happen and become all the business of family, they have bills, have the children, you know? So see us as you want to. Make us feel appreciated. Yeah. I could just add to what my colleague also is saying. I think that a lot of persons, you know, the word sex work is a, a taboo. So it's sex translated. They don't go into details as to what really does a sex worker brings in society. Yeah. They never have a chance really to like, you know, say they want to think what also we're also contributing our services, but could be beneficial. You know, these are things that they need to make concerned and just don't just let it be stigmatize us. Get to know us before the judges. Because yes. actually sex workers is putting a lot into society, especially now due to the pandemic with all the stress factors and so much things that is going on now. Because in our line of work, we're kind of sometimes never counsel to some clients. Things where they cannot speak over they come to us. And with that, we, we are actually reducing a lot of suicidal thoughts. We do our part also. So these are things that need to find out. These are things that need to know that we are also contributing our service that can make a difference. Don't just see us as a, you know, a violent weapon. Mm -hmm. Or someone who's just there to break up holes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you said something earlier that really struck me you said there's a lot of people doing in sex work in, in Suriname even more so now that we're having economic struggle struggles 
more people are moving into sex work. And I, from your perspective, do you think that some of the stigma towards sex workers is because they think, oh, it's poor women doing it? Is it that the stigma is heightened by that idea that, oh, it's people who have no money? Because, you know, we're very classist in the Caribbean. But yeah, uh, poor communities have broken bones, but uh, standing on a street corner or being in a club, that's not all sex workers. People work from home, they work from over the internet, they work from phone. People have high jobs in high society, have two, three men on the end, married women and other so These are all sex workers. And there is what they should know, you know? That's not the club girls or the street girls. No. Yes, it's true. It's true. <laughs> and you know, I've, I feel like people would be so hesitant to accept that truth that the sex worker yes. is also a counselor. She is also helping people to feel better inside of a time that feels stressful. I think that, you know, and this is something that I always, you know, vow that, you know, there should have a lot of more problems where sex workers could come out and actually, you know, be viral. Because, like I said, lack of confidence, capacity in the dope, no, you know, I never had the chance, that was, de was denied a chance. Yeah. Because there's always been someone speaking for us, and it was never the real thing what is going on within our lives. Many occasions, um, sometimes I think like, you know, we should really do programs where we can highlight the society. They grow up with these kind of stigmatism and they don't really know where they go. There's a different side of it. I think the word sex work is just a talk. Yeah. When I'm listening to you, I'm, I'm reminded of a, a conversation that we had with Guyana Trans United. And they said one of our biggest advocacy platforms is a beauty competition. Right? And they said, you know, we have, we have a beauty competition and, you know, we're nice clothes and everything. But there is a part of it where the contestants get to talk back to the rest of the community. And sometimes the rest of the community will stand up and talk to them. So they'll say, you know, I had this experience when I was like trying to, ex you know, access healthcare and the person was awful to me and I went home and I was sick. And they say sometimes a healthcare worker will stand up and say, I'm so sorry that happened to you. You know, and we really didn't understand your humanity, but seeing you on this stage, hearing your story from you, you know, from your mouth makes a difference. And that's what I'm hearing when you're saying that we should get that opportunity to talk so people can hear what it's like with our everyday experience. It's also like how people feel okay to just treat you like you're not a human. That they're so comfortable that they can treat you that way and then just go home and go to bed. Early out, you said the WVL funding helped us to, to recognize our feminist side. That's one of the things that it helped us to do is to recognize our feminist side. And so, is there a perspective to feminism that, or a, a perspective to feminist work? that sex workers bring that's different or that's missing from what we do in as feminist work now? Like, is there a perspective that you bring that you think other people may not get this about feminist work and you're adding it? 
So actually, to begin with, I don't think persons would have even thought that a sex worker organization would be in the same sentence with a feminist organization. True. Because it's for me. So it started there. Persons don't see, you know, sex workers as women. Wow. They don't think sex workers as women. So our force that is actually trying to show them that sex work is our work. We're still that forcey. Yeah. So that's our first energy that we're actually wanted to show them that we do everything else. It's just that we're with different jobs. Because it, it really asks people to like rethink their relationship with sex, rethink their ideas around sex and what women have the right to do with their body. Thank you for that. And, and you know what? Thank you for, for, for stepping into that feminist role and, and pushing us, pushing us further along inside of that conversation. Yeah. And the relationship with self. All right. Stick up in here, guys, while we take a little break to check in with our somatic alchemy. Take a deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. What comes up for you when you contemplate sex work and sex workers? Are you one? Do you know a sex worker? Do you patronize sex workers? Track any negative or judgmental or unkind thoughts that come up. What is in your body, mind, heart, and spirit as you contemplate these things? Peer inside of yourself and take a good look. Shine some light and air out those crevices in yourself that might close up, shrink down, and get really, really mean at the thought of sex work and sex workers. Or perhaps you've patronized sex workers. I mean, hopefully you were able to receive pleasure and a full good time. But what else came with this experience? What comes with these experiences if they're ongoing? What are your ethics for engaging sex workers? And how does engaging sex work change your visions of your body, pleasure, pain, and collectives? Does this change how you think about your country or region or diaspora or independence? And what about yourself and your visions? Take some time to contemplate this. What are your sources of self-regard? On what do you base your self-possessed selfhood? Do you find that there's like a lot of that energy inside of a coalition like when we talk about coalition which it's an idea but a lot of people have a move to it what are some of the responsibilities the expectations of you when you're in a coalition type space it's a whole lot of expectations a whole lot but it's trying yeah but you have to be strong because this is what you choose. Yeah. You know, you have to be strong mentally, physically, spiritually. Yeah. 
Yeah. But as the days goes by and meet different challenges because maybe it's different people with different personality. So you gotta know how to world to get a job done. If I just could head in for a couple of seconds. So in my journey, I've um, I've met a lot of things. So there's a lot of expectation, you know, meeting with different clients every day. But a few things that stand out for me is that, you know, the leadership that we put out is something was really missing in our community. Yeah. We find that, you know, a lot of our community members want to do more, contribute more, but they never had a chance to meet. And there was always the self-esteem part where they see they're not good enough. But actually, in our community, we are the expertise. We just need the shaping on how to put out our story. This Sukos is is this right, you know, helping sex workers to get that confidence that look, our organization is only with sex workers. We try to let ours, you know, at least ninety percent sex workers. We want sex workers to be accountants. We want sex workers to be activists. Advocates in the right. He wants sex workers to be well equipped to actually share our experience because this is what we do. This is our world, and who is better telling our world, our story? What is the leadership that you need, and what will it look like for you when you get it? Okay, and like again, I said, when we get it, right, we can be our platform. We can be our platform because. For years, it has never been working when forces speaking for us. Yeah. We have been to the same stage. We, nothing has changed. We was never included into nothing with the government. And for years, forces has been advocating on our behalf. We want to change. We can say, from since the start of Sukos, there's a lot of changes. Right? So we can... So we can Think about we can we can talk we can really relate what we have contributed. Yeah. What changes we've seen towards sex workers? And you mean like at the government level, the community level, or just all levels across the board? All levels we try to reach in. We are trying to reach in the all levels by sex workers and leadership, any advocacy. We ourselves is doing. You know, our campaigns, we not, we don't want anybody to say, but well, this is what sex workers are facing. We faced this yesterday. We faced that last night. This happened two years ago. So when you say that, um, it's important that you don't take money from people who ask you to, to pretty up anything. This is what you mean, because the impact of your words. If you asked when them have to die, all. We want to be taking models of persons and then we can't speak if they're doing something wrong. When they're actually the persons that victimizing us. We want to say what is really going on because we don't want to take money from point A and it's point A community actually when we go to them, they're not doing anything. They are facing, they are giving us attitude. They are stigmatizing us and we can't speak about it. Yeah. Because we're taking money from them. We don't want to meet in things like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I want to ask you? This is a question that, that just comes to me. I, when I listen to you, there is so much overlap 
with other marginalized groups and, and just people who have to deal with every day in society. So if a potential funder is listening to this and they're trying to hear, all right, this is the approach that I need to take. This is what I need to do. And this is what I need to not do when I'm giving funding. What would you say to them? What do they need to do and what do they need to not do when they're giving money to people? I think that when they're giving money, they should speak to organizations instead of letting it go through that channel, that big channel, maybe the government or whoever, and then have to prompt us because there's going to be a lot missing before it if it do reach to us. Yeah. I think that they should do their researches because at the end of the day, we are the experts. We know where our roots are, Thank you for sharing this perspective on money and how we can be decent with money. You know, because sometimes once we have the money, we forget that we need to treat people like people. And having the money don't make you the king or the queen of whatever situation. Does climate change impact your work at all? So climate change and, you know, all of the impacts that it, it, it's having on my mango tree was putting out mangoes in December. That's not right. That's not when mangoes near, right? But does climate change affect your work in any way? You're mute. Yes, it does. Because yeah. just a liquid answer and put flood in certain places. Because actually it's flooded where they live in. And for instance, like in certain places, there's some plants like Philana would try to plant some greens. <laughs> you know, I'll leave a kitchen garden. So it's a flecking us. It's a flecking and swingy because, you know, we can't get to move around as much as we want. And this brings us back to our pretty past. Um, state against the sex workers. If we cannot come out and look for our money, who's going to help us? Financial help. So, yeah, it's playing a big role. And if you're living in, um, like, for instance, hotels and things like that, it's very challenging because, you know, you have to be up to date with your um, rent and these things because you're going to be out on the street. So it comes back now to another problem. We could go on and on because medical wise, if now due to the, you know, the flooding in our yards, we contract some kind of infection or so, then again, we don't have, because in Suriname, everything is a cost. There is nothing free. So if you can't get to work, you won't have money to deal with your medical challenges. Yeah. So it, it, it finds out every other And I hope your kitchen garden survived you here. I appreciate of you so much for joining us in this portal, exploring sex worker-centered feminist organizing, activated by Denise and Felona Roberts, along with their coalition, Sukos. Sex can be so complicated. It's hard enough to figure out how to have it in a way that brings pleasure to both you and your partner. But then there's a the baggage, most notably the shame. You're like, what do we do with that? Most of us keep having sex despite it, never fully opening to the experience, never fully enjoying ourselves. And then enter sex work, 
perhaps one of the most conflicted areas of sex, and yet a site of so much learning if we allow it to be. Trauma doesn't teach us. What we do with trauma is where the learning happens. And what sex workers have done with the trauma of being stigmatized and excluded can teach us to take our power back into ourselves if we let it. If we can change our minds enough to see them as teachers, as feminist leaders, as people with many things to give, the body, yes, the mind, pedagogy, activism, like steps that we can take new ways to be. This work that we're doing, the work that we're doing with this podcast, the work that's being done across the region forces us to confront ourselves. And I hope at the end of this episode, you do that too. What do you feel when you think about sex, sex work, sex workers, and how many sex workers are already supporting you on your journey who you just refuse to see? How would things be different if you were fully honest with yourself about all things sex? This episode was produced by Rebel Women Lit and Queerly Stated, with support from Australian Lesbian Foundation for Justice, Equality Fund, and Global Affairs Canada. Research and writing by Jackie Brown, script editing and project management by Dave Ann Moses, editing and sound by Jorraine Patmore and Sophia Chenier, and outreach by Ashley Daly. Remember to head on over to the show notes to find the details of the organizers featured in our episode and rebelwomenlit.com for additional references. Thank you so much for joining me, your host, Carla Moore, under the sycamore tree.